Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM Channel 233. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Heller. Insurance companies are making between 10 and 12% margins every year. Healthcare premiums have gone up over 70% in the last seven years. Today to talk about these issues, we welcome Dr. Stephen DeAngelis, an internist in Chicago who's been very vocal both within the medical community and the political arena about our healthcare system. Welcome. Thank you, Joel. Let's start by talking about how these premiums impact upon doctors, our ability to give care, and the amount of time and money we have to spend to deal with these issues. The proliferation of health insurance companies, I think, has been very detrimental to medical care in this country, in particularly over the last few years. In 1950, there was only two insurance companies in, in Illinois, and obviously the system from a financing standpoint was working much better through the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. As you got a proliferation of health insurance companies, their numbers weren't great enough, so they need to cherry pick the healthy patients they need to exclude. They would suck people in with lower premiums and then the following year raise their rates, or they would give exclusion criteria for medical conditions that the patients had and just detrimental to the patients and small businesses in this country. It's wrecking small businesses in this country. And it's marginalized the doctor's ability to care for their patients because the insurance companies ultimately determine what they're going to reimburse the doctor's fee for. And also back in the 50s, wasn't it more a question of catastrophic health care? It wasn't taking care of everyday doctor's visits and that type of thing for the patients. It was mostly for catastrophic events. Exactly right. That's insurance. You insure against the catastrophic event. Now what the system, despite them calling themselves health insurance companies, they're really health management companies. They determine what's covered and what's not covered. And, and so you're exactly right. One of the things that people are trying to do, and you've been talking about and have done in your own practice, is try to find ways of dealing with this without using insurance companies. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about how you're doing that. With my practice right now, I have it structured that I have the patients pay me a retainer fee and $5 a day, you know, on a yearly basis, and then a margin or a small amount of money when they come in for the office visit, 50 75 or $100, no matter what we do for the patient, and, and just eliminate. I don't bill insurance companies anymore. I don't bill Medicare or Medicaid. And then 20% of my care is pro bono for patients that I've known, patients that can't afford it at all. I don't charge them a dime. I don't even bother charging Medicaid or Medicare. Let's talk about then, that's your private practice, uh, the expandability of something like that. And for patients and doctors that aren't doing that, what are some other thoughts that are, have been popping up as a way to deal with this in a larger, more political arena? You know, one of the things that I've been kind of talking about a little bit is single-payer system per demographic region. Insurance companies aim to spread their risk. You have to make the risk pool large enough so that it becomes a, a viable business for the insurance company. My thought was, is in Illinois, it's if you have 12 million people in Illinois, divide the state into three regions, 4 million, 4 million, and 4 million, have the insurance companies bid on that demographic region. The winning insurance company then that wins that bid would provide health insurance for a fixed cost for a fixed period of time. And that could be determined by the actuaries and the economists and people that are a lot smarter than me from a business standpoint. The government's role in that would be kind of an oversight role, board of neutral people, if you will, that would oversee and make sure the insurance company that won the bid was providing that insurance that they agreed to provide and that the doctors were also providing their adequate care. The benefit of this plan would be multiple. One of the benefits would be the insurance companies couldn't exp exclude any patients. If a patient is sick or healthy, if they're employed or unemployed, their premium is going to be the same. A 44-year-old male, for example, might pay $375 a month, and that doesn't matter whether I'm employed, and unemployed, sick or healthy, rich or poor, that's my premium. 
you can build a whole bunch of nuances into the system. In the one demographic region, if you have 100,000 Medicaid patients, the government can say, well, we can only afford $100 per month for these Medicaid patients. And then the insurance companies can build that into their bid. So Steve DeAngelis might pay an extra $25 a month if I live in that demographic region, you know, to help carry for, you know, cover for the patients that can't afford it. So I think it has a lot of benefits. Single-payer system per demographic region, I think, is better than a single-payer system nationally because the United States is too heterogeneous and there's too many different cultures and demographic regions that, that just wouldn't allow a universal health care system to run efficiently. You practice in Illinois. Is there anything going on politically at, at any kind of level looking into, into changing the system to something like you're talking about? Unfortunately, the insurance industry and the hospital industry are so powerful they don't want this changed. Now, I've spoken to you know several major politicians in the state, and, and they're interested. They like the idea, but then they, they don't have the backbone, if you will, to proceed with it because of the uh, insurance companies' lobbyists. As far as the insurance companies, their, their main objections that you found in looking into this are what? Well, right now, again, as we talked about, they're making 10 to 12 percent you know, profit a year. They don't want the system to change. The average patient changes insurance, I think, every three years. So, you know, the insurance company has no incentive to keep you healthy. They're not going to cover preventative measures because it doesn't benefit them. They don't allow you to buy insurance from them unless you're healthy or they'll exclude your disease processes. And then they know once you're in and they've excluded the reasons that, you know, you use healthcare for, for if you've had a heart attack or whatever thing you've had, they know in three years you'll change it. So, and they want you to change it in three years because they know you're going to eventually be getting sick. So they keep ratcheting up your premiums on a yearly basis. You have no idea what your premium is going to be next year. If I employ you, I have no idea what your premium is going to be next year, and there's no way to budget for that. With this system that I'm talking about, you would have a fixed cost. You would know that the insurance is built into the bid that's going to go up 3% next year or 4% or 5%, whatever it is they set. It's easier for small businesses, even large businesses, to, to budget that in. What would be the advantage to the practicing physician to use a, a demographic scheme like you're talking about? Well, there would be better oversight. Physicians would get paid more quickly. There would be a uniform kind of billing so the physician would know what needs to go out on the claim. For the physician, I think it would just be simpler to have sending bills into one insurance company and tracking that than it is right now prior to me converting to my program you know, where I would bill 18 insurance companies in this area. It's absurd. Would this plan or some modification of it be, your belief is that we could find a way to do that and take care of what are a huge problem, the currently uninsured. I think we'd be able to take care of a portion of the uninsured with this plan. Obviously, I don't think it would be the, you know, the magic bullet. The plan basically is just the foundation. For 75 years, the current system has been built on the foundation. Everybody that dinkers with healthcare financing dinkers with the top of this structure. I think it's time to build a new foundation and then have people, small businesses, large businesses, government entities, insurance companies, build a new structure on a new foundation. Do you think that physicians are the proper one to take the lead in this type of thing? I think the leadership has to come from government because the only way to get around the insurance companies would be, you know, a, a strong, honest politician. And I think there's still some of them out there. Doctors would need to sit at the table and have an equal voice at the table and the consumer would have to have an equal voice at the table, and the insurance company equal voice at the table. The insurance company right now has, you know, the 800-pound gorilla. As we approach uh, another active political season, with 2008 being an election year, quite a bit of the talk in these early stages has been about health care. How are you planning of going about trying to influence interest in this issue in the state and nationwide? You know, it's a very difficult thing. I'm a simple foot soldier. 
you know, I see patients on a daily basis and, you know, I have no influence or power in, in any sense of the way other than just by word of mouth and doing things like this with you. So thank you for having me and, you know, working with a magazine that's going to be coming out in the fall or correction in the spring called Gold Coast Health, you know, making patients aware of the changes that need to occur. And hopefully the patients and the populace then will influence their politicians. It's a it's a large problem. And I think you need to stick with the structure of the problem, correcting the structure of the problem. And then the details have to be built upon as you go. Have you had any contact with or is there anything similar going on with the AMA, with the College of Internists? Anyone actually doing anything on that level? To be honest with you, I think the American Medical Association, the American College of Physicians are very good organizations. And I think they're evolving and adapting right now to, you know, help hopefully influence, you know, healthcare in this country. I would like to see him get a little stronger, a little more vocal, and uh, you know, a little more radical in the sense that I think they've got to just really grab some of these politicians by the seat of the pants and shake them and get them to do something because everybody right now is hurting patients, small businesses, physicians. Is the conversation even being had at this point? I think the conversation is being had. I had lunch about a month ago with Joe Biden or two months ago with Joe Biden, and he said, doctor, he said, we know there's a problem. Everybody knows there's a problem. But no one has an idea as to what to do to go forward with this problem. And I think that's the issue. It's so complex that you can't keep tinkering with the current structure. You have to move away from that structure, start with a new foundation, and kind of start from scratch. So for our listeners, for doctors out there that are practicing or administrators or anywhere in between, what can they do? What should they be doing? What should all of us be doing to try and influence these things to make it easier to give better health care to make it so that the f- approximately 50 million Americans without health care have access to health care. Yeah, I think they need to you know, start the discussion, which I think it is, and uh, really set a timeline, though, when definite changes need to occur. You know, while this is all happening, you know, one of the other things I'm doing is starting a clinic called Intention Healthcare NFP, and that clinic will be used for you know, providing insurance for patients that don't have insurance, educating them into the current system, you know, and then handing them off once we're able to get them insurance or get them into a government program prior to it changing on a national level or a state level. So, you know, we're we're trying to kind of dovetail all that together. I think it's people helping people. And if you keep it small enough, I can help a small group of people and another pod can help a small group of people. And, you know, we all just give each other a hand. All interesting ideas. We'll be listening and looking as we go towards the future. Our guest today has been Dr. Stephen DeAngelis, an internist in Chicago. This has been the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for today's medical professional. There's another great segment coming up. Please stay tuned.